Hey guys, love the podcast. This is Crest here from Chattanooga, and I was just wondering, with with authors like Stephen King, Dean Koontz, John Saul, Robert McCammon, Bentley Little, I can go on and on. You guys don't talk a lot about books on the podcast, but real quick, what's some of the books that you guys have read recently that you think will be a good scare for this time of year? Thanks. Thanks, Crest. Uh, this is definitely my busy time of year. So my reading has dropped off quite a bit, uh, in exchange for watching horror movies and horror television shows and horror podcasts and everything else. But recently my, um, the ones I've been enjoying, I've, I've gone back and I've been rereading the shining, which I'll actually end up talking about later in the show. I've kind of been going back and rereading that and just, you know, remember kind of marveling in the character arcs that actually exist within the shining book as opposed to, to the shining movie yeah, or any of the, well, I guess the shining movie, not the shining TV series, which tried to stay more true to it with uh Steven Weber. Um, and then uh head full of ghosts by Paul Tremblay. I love that one. And it's so good. And uh kill Creek by author, uh, Scott Thompson or Thomas. Yeah. Scott Thomas, uh, another haunted house style book. Um, that's kind of what's been on my list lately. How about you two? You've been doing any scary novel reading? I have. And this question cannot be perfectly timed because I actually have one that I'm talking about a little later. But as far Ooh. as um, recent books that I'm not talking about, um, Mexican Gothic. I'm a huge, huge fan of that one um, by Silvia Moreno Garcia. It's getting turned into a su- series, I think, by Hulu. I don't remember, but I feel nice. like we talked about it. Um, it's very gothic, like in the vein of Crimson Peak. So if you liked Crimson Peak, mm. then you will love this one. I think it's a little bit more supernatural, paranormal. Like it, it goes to way different places than than crimson peak but that's the closest kind of visual language i can i can think of um not recent but always recommend this time of year is dark harvest by norman patridge it's a very short halloween specific story set in the 1960s where they have an annual contest where they go and hunt the pumpkin boy it's getting turned into a movie possibly because there was news about that late last year and then obviously pandemic derailed everything so that may or may not be a movie but it's a perfect halloween read nice how about you xena well you guys might think i'm terrible but yeah this month has been pretty busy so i I why would we think you're terrible I don't know. I'm just. You're a terrible person, Zena. You have no time to read, dude. I just feel terrible because I'm always telling you guys, hey guys, I had time to watch this movie, but I'm not reading a book. You don't want to crack open a book, you know? Uh It takes a lot more time commitment, to be fair. True, true. But okay. So much more time. I've been diving more into Lois Duncan. She's one of my favorite authors. So you guys, obviously you heard of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. And so um, I just ordered her book on Amazon. So I'm excited to read that actually. But previous ones, um, one of my favorites is Summer of Fear. And Wes Craven, he Mm. actually adapted, you know, the novel into a film um, in 1978. And that movie's so my jam. It's just, (laughs) it's it's perfection. Um, It deals with witchcraft. And, you know, jealous teenage girls, like, wow, that's a cat. (laughs) (laughs) I've been working working on that. (laughs) Don't tell people you've been working on that. (laughs) Yeah, you you need a little more improvement in the the cat. Yeah, that's not something you've workshopped. (laughs) And it's like, what's crazy is 
was saying how, oh, yeah, I might be a werewolf and my house sucks. <laughs> like, so, okay, anyway, um, back to books. Also, um, Down a Dark Hall. Uh, it's kind of like, it is a gothic horror. So um, it basically follows this girl, this young girl who's sent to boarding school, but there's only four other students, including herself. And overnight, they just develop like these new abilities to, to either it could be like something dealing with science or like math or music. And it's just like slightly demonic, you know, um, it's really cool. And this one, they did adapt it into a movie. It came out like last year, 2018. Well, not what, what, where am I? It came well, out yeah, 2018. We're still in March. <laughs> No, but it came out 2018, and uh, Anna Sophia Robb is in it. Uma Thurman's in it. Um, it's a it's a cool little movie. I don't really think it received a lot of love. And something that's more, uh, it's it's a nonfiction. It's really sad. Um, the author, her daughter, she was murdered, and so she kind of just writes about that about her unsolved unsolved murder. And it's you know who killed my daughter, and um, it's really sad. But it's it's kind of. Um, I want to spoil it, but it's just kind of like she's really just so determined to to figure out exactly what happened to her daughter. And I won't spoil it, but obviously if you but, read... Um, wait, what book is this one? Who Killed My Daughter? By... By Lois Duncan. Oh, Lois. Okay, okay. Yes. Sorry, we went from still on Lois Duncan. The Down a Dark Hall, and I didn't... Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's that's uh, those are some of my, my favorites. And then uh, a new type of uh, book that I've... Well, author that I started reading, Amy Lukovic's. Um, she wrote this one book that's so good and I just love it. It's, um, called The Woman in the Walls and it's about this family that lives in this Victorian, um, kind of like mansion that's in the middle of nowhere in the woods. You already know something terrible is going to happen. And clearly, yeah, there's, there's a woman in the walls. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. And I remember actually, I, I recommended this to one of my neighbors because, you know, I was trying to make friends and be like, yeah, book club. And I feel really bad. (laughs) I feel really bad because she stopped reading the book and she said because it heightened her anxiety. So, oh, no. Yeah. Um, because it is a mystery and I didn't think it was that bad, but I she she doesn't like that kind of stuff and I didn't know. So um, she doesn't talk to me anymore. So no, we're not friends. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I moved. So <laughs> that's just what I, Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. So you started out by apologizing that you don't read much and then gave us six recommendations. I know. I know. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I see how this works. So she's normally an avid bookworm outside of October. We got it. I, you know what it is? Gotcha. My, my husband, he reads a lot, you know, and he inspires me. So I'm like, you know what? I want to get my read on. But since September, actually, and well, I mean, it was just last month. I haven't at all. So. That's fine. That's fine. I get it. I don't think anyone can blame me on this podcast. Okay, next call. Hi, John, Zena, and Megan. It's Joanna from Phoenix. As Halloween gets closer, I was just thinking, what is that scary movie that you watched, like, hiding behind the couch while your older cousin, brother, parents watched, and you knew you shouldn't have been watching it, but you just couldn't stop, like... Hands over eyes, peeking between your fingers. Thanks. Love the podcast. Bye. Thanks, Joanna. That's a really cool question that uh, actually stirs up all kinds of stuff down the John rabbit hole that we don't need to go down. <laughs> we'll go down a little. Uh, let's start with Megan or Zena on this one first, though. Uh, you t- have either of you, I know you two both started out with horror really young. 
So do you ha- do you remember these scenarios? Yes. I remember two distinct scenarios and I was super young um, and they were both during the day. I'm pretty sure it was the first one. My uncle was babysitting me and he would pop on movies in the background and it was Evil Dead 2. And it was um, the part where Linda comes out of the grave and she's missing her head and doing this dance in the woods. And I was probably like five And I remember running back and forth. I just couldn't look away. Like I'd run into the living room and I'd watch it and she'd freak me out and I'd run back and peer around the the hallway, you know. Um, And then there was the same thing with another babysitter. So I don't know. My parents really were on the ball with getting me um, proper childcare, I guess. Um, But it was Trilogy of Terror, the Zuni doll. And I literally would oh. run behind the couch and and peer through that Zuni doll. Like it doesn't even matter if the other two segments aren't nearly at that same sustainable level of fear. Like that Zuni doll. Yep, that was it. But I couldn't stop. You know, clearly I'm a lifelong horror fan. So good job. <laughs> Understandable. Um, How about you, Zena? Well, okay. So there's two, but they're very similar in the world. Uh, first, arachnophobia ruined my life. Mm. And um, still to this day, I do not like spiders. I think that they're gross. So even remember, you guys were just like, yeah, I see Abyssal spiders. Spider. Yeah, I'm just, just like, no. <laughs> but um, crazy thing is, you know, I, I have five brother and, brothers and si- sisters, right? And they didn't really scare me like that. It was always my mom. So <laughs> she was the one that, that would do that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, look at me now. I'm just so strong and independent. But, yeah, I don't Come like bugs. Go. So. <laughs> and then the other one, Ticks. Even though, yes, it, it's a fun movie, it's also super gross. And, yeah, like, I just remember, like, my mom putting her hand on my shoulder and mm-hmm. pretending to be like, oh, my God. Like, it was horrible. It's like Brian Yuzna goopy effects. That, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I the only thing I can think of, I I, I very I remember this scenario that Joanna laid out really, really well of like the way my childhood house was set up. You could basically be like standing around a corner and see into the living room and people like wouldn't know you were there. So like when my parents were watching like an R-rated movie or whatever, like I used to sometimes like sneak down like super quiet and like kind of peek and like. Like, I remember doing that. I don't remember specific movies, but I do remember the scenario of I used to think I could see through my eyelids. And I feel like that that was talked about. It's like a subplot in some TV show or movie like for kids or some goosebumps or something like that, because I swear I would like be clenching my eyes closed, but still be able to see the TV Hmm. when the reality was is I was probably just like squinting a lot. Yeah. But like. (laughs) Thinking that I was like clenching my eyes closed. No wonder you turned to horror because you you were watching scary movies made you a superhero in your mind. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I can see through my own eyelids. Yeah. It's the most amazing <laughs> superpower of all time. That invisibility, flight, super strength, seeing through your own eyelids. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing I really remember growing up that used to freak me out when I was little was the first ghost in Ghostbusters. 
That See, library ghost. That's the thing that got me, me into horror was that movie and that scene specifically. At four years old, I was obsessed. That sent me on my lifelong obsession with monsters. So I understand this. And like my kiddos love Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice and stuff. Yeah. And I remember when I was their age, like I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I was like, they think it's great. Like, in fact, that's what we're dressing up as this year for Halloween. Oh, that's so cool. But that, uh, but yeah, just like that first ghost just terrified me so much. And I remember it was probably that scenario too. Where I was clamping my eyes, closing my, like, don't want to see it, don't want to see it, don't want to see it. Oh, I forgot I can see through my eyelids. Oh no. <laughs> and then I'd see it and just like, I just like wait to get to the next scene where it's like giving electric shocks to that kid. Kid. And, but yeah, I definitely remember those scenarios. Kid brains are weird. You know, like you thought you could see through your eyelids. I remember this was a weird thing because I was never, ever terrified of this, but it was still an irrational fear that Skeletor's head was going to pop up from the drain in the bathtub. I don't know where I got it. I loved He-Man. I was not scared of He-Man, the cartoon, yet this was a thing I thought was going to happen to me. I remember. Well, yeah, it's like watching the, or, looking, or seeing the, uh, the original VHS box of Ghoulies. Oh, yeah. Like, well, oh, yeah. can't sit on a toilet for a while. <laughs> Look who's talking to. Oh, yeah. Give me your pee-pee. Why, what kid is going to want to use the restroom what? now? Oh, Have yeah. you ever seen? That was crazy. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's whole just other a different show, kind of horror. That's a whole different genre of horror scenes that aren't in horror movies. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anyway, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as a lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror, especially since it's October. If not, we're going to do a quick round the table for the movie's books games or anything else in horror that are making three of us smile right now and hopefully there'll be things that'll help make you smile too Zena, what's been filling your heart this week well um so last week i watched a lot of things and i kind of told you guys that and it was kind of hit or you know a lot of them were misses sadly um it happens, it happens. yeah so the first thing i watch uh books of blood on hulu just came out this year 2020 um so it is a anthology style feature that um features three tales within with like the standard wrap-up segment and it's based on Clive Barker's horror anthology book series um I thought it was enjoyable and I definitely feel like it's worth watching this season um you know during the spooky season but I do feel like it's missing Clive uh, Clive Barker's touch um so it's it's like I'm not saying that it's perfect but I do feel that you know, when it comes to Clive Barker's writing, it's mostly like, you know, very dark, you know, and I kind of right. feel like they could have they could have went a little bit more like deeper with that. And I kind of kind of miss seeing that. I would have honestly loved seeing that on the screen. Um, but mm -hmm. the performances, you know, I felt are really great, especially Britt Robertson. Um, she plays this troubled young woman and she's very memorable. It's kind of like sad, her whole, her whole lifestyle. But. Again, overall, I do think that it's definitely worth watching, you know, especially during the spooky season. It's engaging. Um, there's effective uh, scares. And I'm honestly open to um, a second, like a part two. If yeah. I don't know if they'll actually do that. I'm actually on the same page as you on this one. Um, and that 
they've given me enough to where I'd be willing to see where it goes, but it doesn't feel very Barker like right, at all. Right. I mean, there the middle story for sure is a direct lift from the first story in the Books of Blood novels. But what I I'm curious as to why they didn't go further with the, the horror mm-hmm. element. Um Especially because it's from Brandon Braga and the co-writer um, who did Salem, the TV right. series. Mm-hmm. And that series got pretty gruesome and gnarly with those witches. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't I don't know why they kind of toned it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are moments of gore, but yeah. But I agree Is with this you. adaptation rated R? I believe so. I mean, it's on Hulu, so I, I don't even know. I don't pay right. attention half the time. I'm I'm not too sure, but it's like even with you mentioning that, um, Megan, with uh, the director, it did feel more like a a series or like a yeah. made for TV movie, which isn't bad. Like I I love those. Um, so it was kind of like they didn't know what they wanted to be. So maybe that's that's it because it was originally intended to be a series, and then at some okay. point it got cut down to we're doing a feature. So maybe okay. that was the disconnect okay well true it's true, enjoyable though i mean it it's is not barker if you go into it not expecting barker i think you'll get more out of it absolutely and again like the performances um with brit robertson her character like whew, just some of the things you know that, that was going on with, with her segment like it, it's pretty creepy also a good book recommendation yeah yes if you want to go the book route and it's barker so why not Absolutely. Tis the season for short story collections. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then I also watched a comfort watch, uh, Spellcaster on Tubi. It was made in 1988, but released in 1991. Um, A brother and sister, along with other strangers, they win like this sweepstakes uh, invitation to Italy to participate in a promotional televised treasure hunt at a remote Italian castle. And they search for like a million dollar check and whoever finds the check, they get to keep it. Which is pretty cool, you know. But obviously, you know, there's there's like a diabolical, diabolical. <laughs> there's like terror just waiting for them. There's demonic secrets, um, you know, that these guests they begin to fall one by one. And honestly, I like to compare it to like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I feel like it's like the horror version, <laughs> except there's no Oompa Loompas. Um, but I- <laughs> to be fair, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was the horror version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> it does get a little intense. It does. It does. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really love this movie, like especially like the opening. And I was kind of late to watching this one. I think I watched it when I was like a teenager. And, you know, guys, I really just feel like I missed out on the 80s. I think I should have been like. I mean, I was alive in the 80s, but I didn't, you know, know what's going on. But I kind of just wish that I was around so I could hang out and party and do those kind of things. But uh, the writer, he also wrote uh, Dolls. And it's, you know, one of my favorite Stuart Gordon movies. And I feel like this would be a great double feature. Um, So, yeah, if you guys love kind of like a little bit of mystery, a little little bit of cheese, you know, there's some singing, (laughs) you know. It is Um, a Charles Band production. Yes, and the castle's pretty cool, you know. Uh, you guys may enjoy this. I'm actually really surprised that this movie hasn't been, like, remade because I feel like, you know, it would be enjoyable. I could definitely see it, you know, a little bit more modern. Well, if nothing else, like, it'd be totally adaptable for, like, a phone footage style because it's a contest. Ooh. Like, you could totally reboot that sort of thing to, like, it's a 
some YouTube influencer something, yes. whatever. Because I mean, there's there's a I mean there's I know there's a few out there. There's a German one. Um, what the hell is it called? Oh, it's like Heil. Uh, they're 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 in like an abandoned asylum that supposedly Hitler had been treated at at one Whoa. time, and they're like YouTube influencers who are it's like gone awry. I got really into some for some foreign found footage movies early in quarantine, and I don't remember the names of any of them. <laughs> but the gist of it being, I I agree, it could definitely be real. You know what? I think that we should do it. I think that we should just combine forces. And make the this three movie. of us. Yes. And then you could get to lay down in the background and play dead. There you go. Wish fulfillment. Coming soon to bloody disgusting TV. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, Megan, what have you been watching? Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm always looking for seasonal stuff to watch this time of year. And especially considering last week's conversation where I was talking about um, Black Roses and my <laughs> affinity for heavy metal horror. I busted out trick mm. or treat. It is not streaming. I have searched high and low. Um, You can probably find used DVD copies on like half price books or something. Um, I held on to my DVD copy. Somebody needs to put this out uh, with the remaster on blue. Just putting this out into the universe. Um, But it's the 1986 movie where a bullied teenage boy, he's devastated after his rock god idol, Sammy Kerr, dies in a fire. Um, But as Halloween night approaches, he discovered that he might be the only one who could stop Sammy from making a satanic comeback from beyond the grave. This is kind of your foundational heavy metal horror. Um, I think there was a whole cluster of them in the height of the satanic panic 80s. This is one that I kind of go back and forth on when you watch it because I, I like the story. I like the idea of this bullied boy and he's the one taking on his former idol because idols can totally disappoint you. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are certain things about it that don't age well, namely Sammy Kerr. I don't know. Have you watched this movie? Either one of you? Yes. Yes. (laughs) He he is very weird. No. (laughs) So Sammy Kerr is not what you, he looks like he's a metal guy like hair metal idol from the 80s but he doesn't act like one he acts like a new kids on the block posing (laughs) as a heavy metal i don't know what i don't know but um there's some other weird things too that i kind of like and don't like um there's one scene where you know the bully he's a bullied kid so sammy first goes after the bullies before it's like this showdown that's not really a spoiler um But there's one scene where this girl gets attacked by a goblin and it seems out of place until you realize that's Sammy's tattoo. What? Yeah. (laughs) It's not really one that you should apply logic to. There's a lot to love about it. I mean, it's got Ozzy Osbourne cameo. Mm -hmm. Um, Gene Simmons plays a little bit larger cameo. The bullied thing is timeless, and that's why I think, like Xena was talking about her movie, this one would be perfect for a remake because it could work in this era without the satanic panic context. Um, It's definitely very Halloween, um, but not Halloween. It's set around Halloween. The Halloween Mm -hmm. dance is really prominent in the the third act, but... uh, yeah, it's just an odd That's a doc- whole that- different genre. Just like everyone's c- calling everything a Christmas movie that's set around Christmas. Yeah. We can start everything being Halloween movies. 
Well, I mean, if it factors in prominent, if you've got a lot of the the icon iconography hanging out on on you know the backdrop, if if Halloween is important to the plot, it's a Halloween movie, and that's what this is because he's trying to come back from beyond the grave on Halloween. So it is, it is. Well, I think they need to do a re-release double feature with Near Dark because I'm so mad that I can't find Near Dark. Near Dark anywhere. is leaps and bounds. Like I have an affinity for this movie, but I can't say it's it's the be- it's it's aged. But yeah. Near Dark holds up really well. I do but, yeah. think that if you can find it anywhere. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I do think that the the kills in this movie is pretty creative and fun. Like the girl yeah with the melted headphones. <laughs> Also, this the special effects was um, done by Kevin Yeager. Kevin Yeager does a lot of stuff. He's done the Bill and Ted movies. He's done Child's Play. He's you know that he's responsible for Chucky essentially. Um, and so he did the special effects for this, and and it's not as fantastical as those other movies. But I did think it was funny that I noticed this time that um, in the finale he's one of the rockers for the the high school band. And I'm like, I recognize him. He's cute. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> New segment. New segment. <laughs> Horror hotties. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like this movie. I don't. I, I do think that the more that time goes on, the more it shows its age. So I I feel like we need heavy metal resurgence. Let's let's remake this one. It could work. So nice. yeah. And then the other thing um, is a novel. I read Clown in a Cornfield, which came out this year. It's by Adam Caesar. It is a perfect kind of seasonal twist on a retro slasher. Uh, Quinn and her dad, they move to this tiny, boring town that's surrounded by corn and a kind of dated (laughs) way of life. And then the town's uh, corn syrup factory that's been shut down had a mascot friendo the clown and friendo starts kind of slashing his way through the town and it's it's got the setup of retro slasher but it turns into something more modern and more generational divide ish so yeah it's fun it's young adult so mm-hmm. that means that it's not super in-depth it 200 something page read you know easy halloween reading good recommend nice nice I've have heard, you know, things about uh this book, you know, coming out. I've been hearing good things about it. And um uh, well never mind. That that's for another time. Uh, okay, fair. So yeah, that's that's what I did this week. John, what about you? Uh I stuck to my format. Um I didn't think I was going to. I did get classic slasher and found footage. I wrapped up found footage today. Uh classic nineteen eighties The Shining. Nice. Which I do own, but it's also available on AMC Plus. Uh, if people are interested in downloading that, you can get a, a seven-day free trial. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with The Shining but are listening to a horror podcast, Jack Torrance, a brooding writer, brings his family to the isolated Overlook Hotel in the Colorado Rockies, where he's accepted a job as winter caretaker. Apparitions from the resort's bloody past torment the snowbound family and beckon Jack's violent demons to reawaken. Listen, this is a an outstanding horror movie and it is not an outstanding adaptation. It's arguably a terrible adaptation of a great book into a great movie because they're completely different. Like yeah. the, the settings, the same, the idea of the shining is the same, the characterization, the character motivations, all that stuff is 
polar opposite of the two. I mean, if, if you've seen the documentary uh, Room 237, you see it like over and over again, like the imagery, like when um, uh, when Dick Holleran is, is coming through the snow in the snowcat to get back to the Overlook Hotel, you see this red VW bug like under like a gas truck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, in the book, that the, the Torrance family drives a red VW bug. Like supposedly that was basically Stanley Kubrick saying, this isn't Stephen King's, this is mine. Hmm. So there's all kinds of, if you haven't seen the documentary, uh, Room 237 documentary, it's amazing because it actually kind of trips you out when (laughs) you start to realize like the layout of the hotel doesn't make any sense the way it's filmed. Like, cause they kind of, someone created maps of the Overlook based off of the movie. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. It's like those visual, uh, um, whatever they're called, like those 3D pictures where like the staircase looks like it goes like around and around, but it doesn't like it's like like an inception. Right. Like the hotel's like that. Like it's designed to not make any sense. It's really, it's it's an amazing documentary. It's a, you know, and obviously it's a a classic horror movie that I feel infinitely bad for Shelley Duvall because it basically broke her as an actress, because Stanley Kubrick is such a piece of shit as far as human beings are concerned. Yeah. And uh, but it also does have one of my all time favorite scenes that I never hear anyone ever talk about. And it's when Shelley Duvall brings breakfast to Jack and he wakes up. It's like 1130 in the afternoon. He's feeling great, whatever. And he talks about he needs to get some writing done. And she goes, yep, well, you just got to get back into the hang of things. And like he looks at her with just like as a writer uh, and sometimes in my other life. (laughs) I totally see the look in his eyes when if someone's like, hey, how's the writing going? You're like, oh, not so well. And like, oh, well, you'll get back in the swing of things. I feel the contempt he has for her in that moment. Like, don't don't tell me how this works. <laughs> like, don't tell me it'll be fine. It's not fine. I can't think of what to write. Mm. But it's like this. It's this beautiful little encapsulation. Just this one stare like, I know you're condescending me. Like, Aww. or you're trying to make me feel better, but you're condescending me when you say it. And like that's, and maybe that's my interpretation. Maybe there's other writers out there though who see it and they're like, oh no, I get it. It's like that meme that's been floating around. Like in Jack's defense, he was just trying to get some writing done. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. When you put it like that, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can understand completely when he's in this room trying to, well, the big open lobby essentially trying to write. And it's like, here comes the trike and here comes the wife. Just give me space. Uh But Yeah. I don't know if I relate, so, yeah. relate, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I relate too closely <laughs> to any of the things that are going on. Good, um, we might have to but yes. call some authorities. Possibly. Yeah, that, that's why my wife does keep a CB radio in the closet, just in case. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right, so for my slasher, 2011 Scream 4, which uh, just started streaming on, on, on IMDb TV. Sydney Prescott, now the author of a self-help book, returns home to Woodsboro on a last stop of her book tour when she reconnects with Sheriff Dewey and Gail, who are now married, as well as her cousin Jill and Aunt Kate. Unfortunately, Sydney's appearance also brings about the return of Ghostface, putting Sydney, Gail, and Dewey, along with Jill, her friends, and the whole town of Woodsboro in danger. Okay, this is only the second time I've seen it, and I was actually... Because of obviously all of our scream talk and me wanting Matthew Lillard to come back, yeah. Um, and but uh, see, now I'm already forgetting Hayden Panettiere's uh, what's her character? Kirby, name? Kirby, Kirby. 
and everyone's like they want Kirby to come back. Yes. People love Kirby. And the first time I watched it, I didn't understand why anybody really liked Kirby because she's kind of shitty <laughs> to people in it. <laughs> like, like just her like relationship, which the first time I saw it, like very surface level. Whatever. Yeah. Rewatching it, it, it's a much better rewatch. Yeah. I actually enjoyed it a lot more the second time through. And Gail by far <laughs> just upset me more than anybody during the whole thing. Yeah. Like how snotty she is. Like, I need to be involved in this investigation. Like, you're not a cop. You're not even a reporter anymore. Why? What, what are you doing? Yeah. Did it hurt your feelings when she talked about the lemon squares? Yes, because I love lemon squares. <laughs> don't don't rag on someone else's lemon squares. I do I'm like sure lemon they squares were too. delicious. Yeah. Lemon squares are the best. See, Kirby doesn't hold someone a candle, though, squares. to, to, to Gail Weathers. Scream 4 is tough. It was a little bit tough for me. I'm 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 not really a fan of the open, like the triple open, which anybody who's seen it or watch it, you you see within the first five minutes, right. um, because it is. It's I'm not going to say it's heavy handed on itself, because it is a satire of horror, and now it's kind of turned into a satire of itself, right? Like on top of things, and it's kind of trying to recreate itself over and over. So, I mean, I would like to see Scream 4 or Scream 5 pull back on that because they kind of keep building that satire and meta like references, like building it up and up and up. And it's getting away from it a little bit for me that I feel like you can still have all the same characters. You can still have all the same tropes and cliches and everything without, without there needing to be the expert who is telling you exactly what's happening in the movie like but you don't understand this is a reboot and then telling you the plot line right like it's like uh okay and it works for this like it's fine like it, it exists but for scream five now i kind of I, I would like to see him pull back a little bit which is funny because i can't say go back to your roots because that's the roots too <laughs> is telling you the rules of the movie and everything else but i did enjoy it like it is I like it more than Scream 3. I arguably actually like it more than Scream 2. Scream 2 definitely had uh, a few issues in it for me. Um, especially like the when they're in film class in Scream 2. Sorry, I'm going down a whole <laughs> different tangent here. When they're, in scre- when they're in film class in Scream 2 and they're arguing about sequels. Yeah. Mm. And there's the one like, get away from her, you bitch. It goes, um, it's stay away from her, you bitch. I thought this was <laughs> film class. Oh, well, the first guy was right. Randy was wrong, and then he gave him shit about the line. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really weird thing that the people in the writer's room, maybe they knew that, and that was their inside joke that Randy doesn't actually know as much as he thinks he does. I would think so, but yes. But everyone agrees with him. And maybe that's making fun of, like, film nerds, like people who get too pious on the things that they're watching. Like, maybe none of them actually know what they're talking about in the first place, which is way more clever and just blew my I just blew my own mind there. <laughs> I'm giving it way more credit. Now I got to go back and watch Scream 2. He's going to go down a Scream rabbit hole next week. Scream cl- Scream will be classic. What <laughs> It'll can, be the classic. What can, somehow gonna, Scream 3 a, will be found footage. Somehow. Well, I'll find a Scream. Fan, I will fan find movie. like a Scream fan film that was made in found footage. <laughs> He's going to uh, make yeah, it yeah, Scream work. 4, uh, IMDB TV. So uh, with commercials, but it's available out there. Awesome. For free. And found footage. This one was brand new to me. I'd never even heard of it until yesterday. And yeah. I saw someone upset at it on Facebook. So I'm like, well, I got to check this out, I guess. 
They didn't like a joke at the beginning, and I don't even know mm. what the joke was, but we'll get into that in a second. Okay. 2013's WNUF Halloween special, which is on Shudder. So this was brand new. Never heard of this, but 2013. Anyway, originally broadcast live on October 31st, 1987. The WNUF Halloween special is a stunning expose of terrifying supernatural activity that unfolded at the infamous Weber House, the site of ghastly murders. Local television personality Frank Stewart leads a group of paranormal investigators, including Keth. Oh, I gave up reading that. For... <laughs> Listen, the gist of it is, is it's an it's a it's a 1980s news expose that goes into a murder house. Um, anyone who understands the references to like Al Capone's vault, like what uh, Geraldo did in the 80s or anything like that, you'll totally get it. If you're a fan of Tales from the Crypt and you saw the Morton Downey, uh, or the Morton Downey episode, uh, Television Terror, where he goes to like check out a haunted house because it's this whole ratings thing, you get it. You understand the premise. The difference between this and I, I totally, I started watching Tales from the Crypt the rest of the day mm -hmm. after I started watching this because then I fell in love with it and I forgot how much I love Tales from the Crypt. So then I spent the rest of the day watching Tales from the Crypt. But the thing that they did so well with this is, and I've talked about this before, they really capture the actual visual of the time. Like more often than not, when people are trying to, to age their films, like they're not getting it right, the graininess or whatever. Right. Like, you know, you look back at, like, Halloween. Like, the original Halloween, like, that graininess just because of the nature of the film and the photography and everything like that, people do try to replicate that now. They try to get that graininess and whatever the throwback-style film is, mm -hmm. and they don't – it's not right because they're trying to turn digital into 16-millimeter or however they filmed it, and it just isn't quite the same. But however they film this totally makes you feel like you're watching a VHS. Yeah. Granted, part of it is there's fast forwarding, there's commercials and everything, but tonally speaking, they they nail it really well. And it works out so well because it comes across very public accessy, but like that's the point. It's local news, it's not well acted, the TV personalities are really hacky, like they tell bad jokes and stuff like that. And it just works. Like it, it's kind of amazing on that level that Maybe the actors weren't even trying to be hacky. <laughs> that was just who they had. But it works within the context of everything that's going on. So it's it's nothing special plot-wise by any means. It's going to investigate a haunted house. Things start to go awry. You know, chaos ensues. It's like 80 minutes or so, if that. Um, but it's very fun. It's a fun watch. Like, if you like any of those, like, 80s retro feel, any 80s slasher style, whatever... It, frankly, if you even like watching like YouTube and seeing like old commercials from the 80s, yeah. like it works. It's like watching an old tape that your mom, dad, uncle, whoever, like they hit record and let it play, you know, record what was on yep. TV for an hour and a half. That was The Empire Strikes Back when I was young. And like, I think Air, the movie Airplane, we did that. Watch those just over and over and over again. I still remember old Colt 45 commercials. Like with Billy D. Williams, like on that tape, or I think Foster's Beer with like Paul Hogan and <laughs> like Lee Iacocca, like Joe Azuzu commercials. Like there's some, there's just, if you were around in the 80s that, and you have memories from the 80s, like it's, they, it's they nailed the nostalgia pretty well in this one. Yeah. So yeah, that's a hard, a definite hard recommend for me. So as a recap, 
Zena, what did you watch and how did you watch it? So I watched Books of Blood on Hulu and I watched Spellcaster on Tubi. And Megan? I watched Trick or Treat, which is not on streaming. It was on DVD. And I read uh, Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. And I watched The Shining, which I own, but it's also available on AMC+. And I watched Scream 4 on IMDb TV and WNUF Halloween special on Shudder. I think that actually just got released on Shudder. Yeah. Oh, and then the side note, yeah, the, the person who was complaining on Facebook said there was an off-color joke at the beginning that really, like, that really, like, like sullied his enjoyment of it. I'm like, I don't, hmm. maybe it was just a really bad joke that I didn't even get. Because yeah. it's background noise, but, yeah, I don't understand. I, I was entertained by it. Fair. Now I don't even want to know what he was upset by because I don't want it to ruin <laughs> what I was thinking. Enough of what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the horror world. So what's going on, Megan? Resident Evil franchise is getting supremely busy these days. Um, obviously, there's a new game coming out with the PS5 next year. That's a thing. Um, well, I shouldn't say it like that. Because I actually, I actually really love this game series. I don't yeah. play games as much as I used to, but I love... Um, but that's separate, is my point. Um so in addition to what they're already doing and have been doing with their games, Netflix is, they have two upcoming series. One is an animated series called Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, and that's expected 2021 and based around the stories of Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield. So it sounds very, um, you know, Resident Evil 2-ish, but an offshoot. Yeah. And then they have an original story also coming with its live action. Um, I'm not sure when, probably next year. That's supposed to follow two timelines related to the daughters of series antagonist Albert Wesker in the present and the future. So, mm. yeah, that that's an odd choice. It sounds almost like Resident Evil goes young adult. Um, and then, if that's not enough Resident Evil for you, there's a movie reboot in the works by Johannes Roberts. He's the director behind Strangers Pray at Night and the 47 Meters Down movies. Um, he's describing this film as an or- origin story adaptation that harkens back to the first two games, um, specifically the horror in the first two games. Mm-hmm. This movie is expected um, next year. And it's probably already underway as far as filming or gearing up to. Excuse me, because they have released the cast. Um, Kaya Scodelario, Sco, I cannot. Kaya Scodelario, um, she plays Claire Redfield. She was the lead in Crawl. Uh, mm-hmm. Hannah John Cammon, who is in Ant Man and the Wasp, she's going to play Jill Valentine. Robbie M L, who mm-hmm. was he's in the Babysitter movies. He's playing Chris Redfield. Tom Hopper, who's in the Umbrella Academy, is Albert Wesker. Avin Yogia, Jogia, Zombieland Double Tap, he's going to play Leon Kennedy. And Neil Madono is William Birkin. So, uh, did you guys wow, have you that's guys? a solid cast. Yeah, it's a really solid cast. And it's a very extensive cast. Between Birkin and Wesker being in this, clearly he is kind of merging a couple of the games. Did you guys, do you, do you like the games? Have you played the games? Where are you on on the Resident Evil well, uh, I only franchise? Played the, I only played the first one, and kind of okay. like you, Megan. Like I don't play as play video games as much as I used to. But yeah, I think that the cast looks like a good cast. Yeah, 
did you do you have any affinity for um the Anderson franchise, the Paul W. S. Anderson of uh, Resident Evil movies? No. Like no. I No, like I remember I I watched no. the the I, <laughs> now you make me feel bad. Well, Listen, we love horror. We talk about the horror we love, and yet when someone asks us a direct question, we're we honest. Lie. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I'm I'm honestly have the it's same just, reaction as somebody well, who's. Zena said it earlier. She watched a bunch of stuff she didn't necessarily like. I've got a whole spreadsheet at home of the movies that I watched during the week. There's a lot of them marked with not going to talk about. <laughs> not going to talk about. It. It's just the way it is. <laughs> but just, Until I put you on the spot. It's just the yeah. no that it was just like wow. There's no hope, you know. Um, <laughs> well, the movies are already out nothing there, you redeemable know. Here. But no, I I liked the first one, but then afterwards it was just like. A lot, you know, and I love Michelle Rodriguez. I think I, she's just such yeah. a beautiful woman. I want to be her, but I just, you know, I, I'm not a big fan. I, I'm not either. Yeah, I just rewatched the first one. I think it's on IMDb TV or Crackle or something like that. I, I, I was rewatching and I'm like, and there are moments that I do really like, but it, 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 tonally switched from a horror movie to a video game movie yeah and i know it's based off a video game but it turned very video game mm-hmm. and, and it's like yeah. oh see that shift i feel like you, you kind of just got to do all or nothing otherwise it just turns into like a yui bowl movie it's it, the continuity because i re- recently watched all of them um i don't know why but i did like com- you know just <laughs> check that off the list i guess it's a lot of movies yeah. to it's, not know why you it's, watch. It's them. six, six of them, and they get increasingly not good. I mean, the continuity doesn't make a lick of mm-hmm. sense the further you get into it. And there are a lot of stalwart fans, and I am supremely happy that that people get enjoyment. I mean, I'm that's yeah. genuine. Um, I just I grew up as a fan of the games, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, these are the one of the few series that I still will play. So I'm I'm a hardcore Resident Evil fan, and to me these were never Resident Evil. Like if they named him something else, then I probably would have received them better. Um, but you have such a good horror story. I don't know why you had to scrap that entirely and do something else. Um, <clears throat> so I'm kind of hoping that you know I get something closer to what made me fall in love with the games. Mm-hmm. Um, but the casting alone is promising. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, and then because this so far has been the month of surprises for horror announcements, Stephen Lang, uh, posted on Twitter on October 6th, last Tuesday, that he'd wrapped filming in Belgrade on don't breathe too. Wow. So we know for sure that th- he was filming a movie and that he just wasn't making his own sequel to Don't Breathe, right? No, he, he, different... the, he was posting, like, the rap gifts that he got. He filmed, he finished shooting. Um, Al- Fede Alvarez, who directed the first movie, Don't Breathe, um, he's not returning to direct. But Rodos Sayegas, the co-writer of Don't Breathe and uh, 2013's Evil Dead, he's now directing. So I guess it's keeping it in the family. And the plot is said to follow the blind man who has been hiding out for years in an isolated cabin and has taken in and raised a young girl orphaned from a house fire. Their quiet existence is shattered 
when a group of kidnappers show up and take the girl, forcing the blind man to leave his safe haven to her, uh, leaving his safe haven to save her. What? So <laughs> how did they, how did that character arc happen? That's that's the thing is like, did somebody get is, is this a rumor? What? I need more details because you cannot convince me that this is a logical step to make this character a protagonist. You can't go you with a turkey baster moment in the yeah. first movie and then make him a hero. What that totally sounded like, and not not for not because there's any turkey basters involved, <laughs> but the, the the plot arc. So one of my all time favorite movies, or the movie that I consider to be arguably the most perfect movie, isn't a horror movie, which for reasons, but it's Sicario. Yeah. The 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 acting, the writing, the cinematography. <laughs> The direction, everything, the the acting, it's just phenomenal. But then their follow-up, Day of the Dead, Benicio Del Toro, who is a hitman in the first one, and arguably a pretty bad guy, even though he's in a quote-unquote good guy role. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, is, is, like, playing caretaker to this, like, orphan girl or something. And, like, all of a sudden it turns into that. It's, like, that that dynamic of, all right, you're you're... I know we're kind of calling you a good guy, but you're actually a pretty bad guy. Yeah. And now your now your character arc is going to be to protect a young girl. That's th- which. But the thing is, I'm sure like, it's I'm sure it's good. I just haven't seen it. Well, I'm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that this is like a bait and switch synopsis. You know, where it's trying to make you think he's turned a corner, but maybe they're rescuing her. I don't know. Yeah, or it turns out that she is the byproduct of the turkey baster. Oh, no, <laughs> sir. <Please> no. <laughs> and also, what no. are they going to call it? Is it going to be like, don't breathe too? Don't breathe again? Don't breathe again. Stop is, breathing. Is oh. the actual like title really? as of now. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. But I don't know if that, I mean, this this is still shooting, so. Uh, Again, it could be called just, I told you not to breathe. I told you not <laughs> to breathe. Why are you still breathing? Stop breathing. Yeah, I don't know. So Stop curious, it. very curious, surprised that that's a thing that's in the works already. And okay. nobody knew. And then lastly, yes. but not least, um, James Wan is producing a tech horror called Megan, as in M3GAN. Uh, Allison Williams of Get Out and the Perfection has signed on to both star and executive produce a Blumhouse horror movie, Megan. She'll play Gemma, a brilliant roboticist at a toy company. She uses artificial intelligence to develop Megan, a lifelike doll programmed to be a kid's greatest companion and parent's greatest ally. After unexpectedly gaining custody of her orphan niece, she enlists the help of Megan, a decision that has unimaginable consequences. James Wan came up with the story. Akila Hooper wrote the script. And so that is in the works. Probably, I assume, a release for next year or the year after. But yeah, it kind of sounds like um, child's Gender play. swap Chucky. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. I mean, it's tech horror, so but it does sound like Chucky. But I am also super into, you know, anything that James Wan touches with horror. And I really like Allison Williams. So, yeah. All right, listeners, your turn. You excited for some more uh, Resident Evil adaptation and where they're going to go with the series? Are you utterly confused by the plot synopsis that Megan gave us for Don't Breathe Again? <laughs> Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. Numbers in the show notes. As you can see, every week we play our favorite messages. Please only call if you'd actually like to participate. 
please lim- also please limit yourself to one question or concept per call. So we might need to edit things if we need to. I'll apologize to anyone whose messages we don't get to. We'll do our best. And you can always feel free to email us at bedisgustingpod at gmail.com. Yes. Is that our email? I believe so. I, I know we tried to keep it the same, so yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it, I'll put it in the show notes after I verify what our email address is. Uh, yes. So there. Finally, if you're anything like us, you spend more than a little time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and all the other services. So Zena's going to clue us in on what we should be watching. Zena. Hey, guys. Okay, so we have another packed week. So coming out on Tuesday the 13th, Evil Eye on Amazon Prime. It's a part of the Welcome to the Blumhouse series. A seemingly perfect romance turns into a nightmare when a woman becomes convinced that her daughter's new boyfriend has a dark connection to her past. Then the next one, a part of Welcome to Blumhouse as well, uh, Nocturne. Inside the halls of a arts academy, a timid music student begins to outshine her more accomplished and outgoing twin sister when she discovers a mysterious notebook belonging to a recently deceased classmate. And then on Wednesday the 14th, coming to Netflix, A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. Um, clearly, this is for kids, uh, young teens, young people. Recruited by a secret <laughs> society of babysitters, a high schooler battles the boogeyman and his mom. And his monsters, when they nab the boys she's watching on Halloween. John, you Sorry, are out of control. Secret society babysitters. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> That's why I said, you know, giggle. <laughs> I'm human. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Thursday the 15th, a mortuary collection will arrive on Shutter. A young drifter applies for a job at a local mortuary and meets an eccentric mortician who chronicles the strange history of town, of the town through a series of twisted tales, each more terrifying than the last, starring Clancy Brown. I love him so much in Pet Cemetery too. Nice. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. Then on Friday the 16th, Don't Look Back will be available on VOD when a young woman overcoming her traumatic past is among several witnesses who sees a man fatally assaulted and don't intervene. They find themselves targeted by someone or something out for out for revenge. Um, And then just in case if you guys missed it, um, here at Bloody Disgusting, we have um, Bloody Disgusting TV. It's available for free on Roku. So if you can't really decide what to do, there you go. And it's available, you know, all season, not just only during the spooky season. Nice. And that's a Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Zena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com and the YouTube channel of the same name or at Lovely Zena on Twitter. And you can hear me doing the 31 Days of Horror on my pod- on my horror narration podcast, Creepy. And I'm still tired, and I'll be tired for two more weeks until November 1st rolls around and I sleep. (laughs) Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to help get the show some notice as we are, you know, knee-deep in the Halloween season, I suppose. People are going to be looking for horror movies. We want to tell them about them. So feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod and whatever email I confirm before I post the show. (laughs) So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love, even if it's through your eyelids. Just make sure it's something bloody.